0: What if we have been looking at life through the wrong lens? What if we could find the answers to life's toughest problems, finances, relationships, family, success, hidden in the paradoxes of Scripture? What if we've been looking at life upside down? We're going to kick off a series today called the Upside Down Life, and the reason why we call it the Upside Down Life is because we're going to be looking at what the Bible teaches on the Kingdom of God. And when you look at what the Bible teaches on the Kingdom of God, a lot of times it looks the exact opposite of the things that we uh, naturally think. It, it, it almost seems like uh, things that the world says is up, the Bible says is down. Things the world says is down, the Bible says is up, and it's like you almost have to kind of flip the lens a little bit and change the view. And, and I think it's a great time at the beginning of the year when so many people are making resolutions and, and, and setting goals and things, that when we're making those resolutions and we're setting those goals, that we don't just flip it through the lens and see it through the lens that we've always seen thing, but we really see it through the lens of scriptures, see it through the lens of the kingdom of God. And I know when you think about a kingdom, especially in America, we're, we're not too familiar with a kingdom. We have a democracy. We don't have a, a king that rules over us. We don't have like the, the things like they do in, in, a, in an all out kingdom. We, we have people that represent us. You, we vote on everything, you know, that type of thing. There's certain freedoms that we have and, and, and all of that because our structure is very different. And even when Jesus is talking to the people about the kingdom of God, there was still a little bit of a disconnect for them because they weren't under the operation of a kingdom at that time. They were under the operation of an empire. Now an empire is different than a kingdom because in a kingdom there's one king and in that kingdom there's a certain culture, there's a certain lifestyle, there's a certain language, everything is kind of uniform and it's all together for one purpose. In an empire, an empire was basically a dominant kingdom that was. Would go and overpower and take control of other kingdoms, and then they would force them to put their, their uh, ways upon them. They, you would have to, so if, if you were under the Roman Empire no matter what kingdom you were a part of before you had to adopt to roman ways and you were under roman government and you were under roman oppression and for the most part that's what the 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 there was groups of people like the zealots and and things that were they were coming against and that's what the jews thought that the messiah would do is they thought he would come overthrow this empire and establish his kingdom here on earth they they wanted the kingdom that they heard about like in Old Testament days. So, but, but they were under this rule of an empire. So even when he's talking about the kingdom of God there's a disconnect that they have in in their uh, understanding. And you see throughout Scripture, Jesus constantly talking about the kingdom. And in Mark chapter 1, it's one of the places where Jesus first talks about the kingdom of God. And and it starts out with John the Baptist really introducing Jesus. He's he's telling him, I'm preparing a way. There's this one that is coming that that I am not even worthy to bow down and unstrap his sandal. And he, he talks about this Messiah that that is on his way. and, And then right around the corner you see Jesus show up. And then Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom. But when Jesus talks about the kingdom he's not talking about a specific location. Really He's talking about a mindset. He's talking about a a change that that takes place in in their life. In Mark chapter 1, if you go there in verse 14, it says, Now, after John was arrested for preaching about the kingdom of God, Jesus came into Galilee, and he was proclaiming the gospel of God. And he said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Some translations put it this way. The kingdom of God is is near now it it wasn't again talking about location he was literally talking about himself he was talking about him his presence being there and he was telling him you need to repent and you need to believe uh, in the gospel. Later, you see, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he again incorporates the kingdom of God into the way that you should pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he told them, You should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, As it is in heaven. And so now he's talking about bringing the king, the kingdom of heaven to earth. He's giving the instruction he, by him saying you need to pray for the kingdom of God to come into your life and, and to come to earth. He is basically saying you need to make yourself a channel and a vessel for the kingdom of God to flow through you. Later, the, disciples, uh, the Pharisees are even asking him about the, the kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them, listen, the kingdom is not coming in the ways that can be observed. They, they, it's not going to be like, it's like, look, here it is, or there, there it is. And behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Uh, I like the way that the New King James translates that, verse 21. it, It says, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Now, Jesus is trying to get them, again, to understand this isn't a earthly kingdom. This isn't a locational kingdom. This is a kingdom that is within you. You, you, you. That's why I said you pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wanted them to pray to be a vessel for the kingdom of God to begin to flow through them. That wherever they would go, The kingdom would go with them. There was no in and out of the kingdom of God. You see, we have an understanding in the church world today, and the world wants Christians to have the understanding in the church today that when you're a believer and you're a part of the family of God and you're a part of the kingdom of God, that's all great as long as you're inside the four walls of the church, but don't take the kingdom outside the four walls of the church. I remember the, when there was a lot of things going on in our state where they were trying to pass some laws that would kind of be uh, against religious freedom and everything. And, and one of the things, uh, when I went to the Capitol and I spoke on the floor, I was like, listen, you, when you tell me that I have to check my faith at the door and that I can't take it out in public, you're telling me you know, like, my faith is not something that I do. It's part of who I am. The kingdom is not a something that you're just a part of. The kingdom is a part of you. It's who you are. It should be who you take. The kingdom should be the driving force that is in your life. It should be the thing that leads you, directs you, and and, and comes within you. And Literally, when the Spirit of God comes within us as believers, the, the kingdom of God has then arrived upon us. And he leads us, he guides us, he directs us, he t- tells us the way that we should go. Even if you look at when the, the disciples, he, throughout the thing, he keeps trying to teach them about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, and, and how it's going to come. And, and it's not just in their midst, but, but it, it's there. It's not, you, you know, it, uh, we, we've said it before in church it's not just one day in heaven we'll see the kingdom of God. But no, God's thing is you need to bring the kingdom to earth. And when they understood that, you begin to see when they started operating in a kingdom mentality, which was really in the book of Acts, is when the church began to explode... That's when people begin to be, they're meeting one another's needs, miraculous provisions, there's miraculous healings, there's, you know, on a daily basis, thousands coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I mean, the move of God was so strong and so powerful in the book of Acts that even the people who were trying to persecute it were getting saved and beginning to, the the people that they were beginning to persecute, now they are fighting for the kingdom of God. And one of those people was Saul who encountered Jesus and and, and Ananias went and prayed for him and the scales fell off of his eyes and he began to see things differently. And then Saul began to live with a kingdom mentality. Saul began to live with, with kingdom purpose. And everywhere that Saul went he, he was, he was inflicted with pain. We talked about that some, uh, last week. That, that he, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He took the, the cat of nine tails, the 39 lashes. He took it five times. He went hungry. He, he, there were times when he was cold. There were times that he did without. But none of that stopped him because he understood, I've got to advance the kingdom. Because there's only really two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. And if they're not a part of the kingdom of God, then it's leading them to a place that where they're away from God that is eternal torment. And so there is an urgency within Paul that no matter what it took, he was going to advance the kingdom of God. And he went through trials and persecution and all of this. And even at one point, Paul and Silas, they enter into a city and they were accused of turning the world upside down. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, you see this passage. It says, when they came, uh, when they couldn't find him, talking about Paul and Silas, uh, they dragged Jason, which was the one that was hosting Paul and Silas at that time, and some of the other brothers before the city authorities. And they shouted, these are the men who have turned the world upside down. They have come here also. And when you think about that phrase, turning the world upside down, like this wasn't something, like it wasn't just like a little change that took place. You don't, you don't say your world got turned upside down because they removed your favorite Starbucks drink off of the menu. Like it's not, it's not something that's mind. Like your world getting turned upside down means that something tragic, something major, something of great influence, whether it's for the good or the bad, happened in your life. And, And it flipped everything around the way it was, your life would no longer be the same because of this. And I think the reason why Saul or Paul was accused of turning the world upside down is because his life had been turned upside down. He was literally fighting and, and, and imprisoning and, and watching, uh, persecuting the church until he had his encounter. And when he had his encounter with Jesus, he began to see things through a different lens and it flipped everything. The thing that he thought was a threat to God and to Judaism and everything was the thing that now he began to live his life, devote his life, go through persecution, go through trials, go through heartaches, and, and, and persevere travel all around the world to advance the thing he was trying to stop now he's doing everything he can to advance why? because his life had got flipped upside down and they saw this in Paul and Silas that there was such a major change when these guys showed up in villages and communities that they said they are flipping the world they are turning the world upside down but this is the question that I have. What if they necessarily weren't turning the world upside down, but they were just living as Christ had intended for them to live all along? What if it was they were the ones that were operating in God's will for life? They, they understood this all along and really... It was the other believers and people who hadn't had this encounter that were still living the upside down life. To the world, it seemed like their life was flipped upside down and that they were looking through the things wrong. I think even in the world today, we still see the same thing. When you hear about somebody who, this move of God that takes place in some place, we even begin to look at people like, wow, they're they're a world changer, they're a difference maker, I can't believe what they're doing in that area, what they're doing in that field, what they're doing in that country, the influence that they're having, and we start to look at them like, wow, there's something in them, And, and there's a part of us that's like, man, I wish I could do that, but I'll never be as good as them. I'll never be able to communicate the way they do. I'll never be able to write songs the way they do. I'll never be able to have the resources and stuff to meet the needs the way they do. And so we stand back and we look at people. We're like, wow, look at those people. They're tearing the world. They're turning the world upside down. They're doing so phenomenal. This is amazing. And we almost look at it like it's some unobtainable Gifting. And there's no way, like, that works for them, but it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work for me. But really, that was God's plan all along is that we all live that type of life to where when we encounter the world, the world looks at us and it's like, man, they're turning it upside down. This is, this is different than anything I've ever taught. Jesus did that as he's teaching through mentalities and mindsets. And that's what we're going to look at in this series is we're going to look at different mindsets that that Jesus just kind of flipped the lens. There were times when he would tell them, listen, I know the Gentiles, they want to lord over you and and everything. But listen, the person, it's not how many people you have serving you, it's how many people you're serving. The, The person who is the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who is a servant to them all. There's times when Paul doesn't, he says, I'm no longer going to boast in my my strength but I'm going to boast in my weakness because when I boast in my weakness, then I'm really made strong. And and so you see this whole thing of weakness becoming strength. You see things of, uh, of Jesus talking to people like, it's better to give than it is to receive. Like these are mindsets that are completely different to, than, than the world. The, the whole idea of looking out for yourself and protecting yourself and make sure you're taken care of first. And then if you have anything left over, you can help somebody else. All of these, these things are perfectly understandable and acceptable within the world's view but are the complete opposite of what scripture teaches and are we as believers supposed to live our life in a way that lines up with what the world's view on things are Or are we as believers supposed to be like Paul and Silas, who when the world looks at our life, they like, they flip the whole thing upside down. Everything that they're doing is different than what the world says because we begin to follow the kingdom principles. Listen, God has called us to align our life and our focus to what the kingdom of God says and what the word of God says and not what the world does and what the world says. We've got to begin to look at life through a different lens. If we don't look at life through the right lens, then we'll miss the target that God has set up in our life. See, there's this game. Can I see those goggles real quick? There's this game called the Upside Down Challenge. Anybody ever played the Upside Down Challenge? The Upside Down Challenge. These goggles, when you put them on, it literally flips everything that you see upside down and it gives it like this weird mirror image. And like, I'm not going to put them on right now because I'll probably fall off the altar if I try to put them on. However, I am going to ask and we're going to have a little fun with this upside down challenge. Are y'all good with having an upside down challenge today? Yeah. Y'all good with this? So come on, get this thing set up over here real quick. Come on, Mr. Shoemaker, our school administrator. He's going to help me out with this, doing our upside down challenge. Come on, give it up for him. Now, he tells me he is a master uh, marksman when it comes to shooting. He's got some amazing skills at the rifle range and everything. So, we're going to first test him out with him looking through his normal lens and see how he does here. All right. Well, you already shot two out. All right. Now, We're gonna have you put on the goggles, and let's reset here. Now, we are looking through a little bit of a different lens. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. All right, he got it. Try to hit it again, what's left there? Not so much, no, (laughs) let's go again. He's out of of ammunition there. All right, let's throw one more in real quick. See if we can get it. Give him one more chance. (laughs) All right. We're going to take that off. You may have to help him down, Sadie. (laughs) Now, when he looked through the things with a different lens, it became a little bit harder to hit the target. And I believe there's so many people that are living their lives now because we're looking through the wrong lens. God has the target of the life that he wants us to live. He has the target of the marriage that he wants us to have. He's got the target of the lifestyle and everything that he wants. But we're all like he was. We're like, oh, there, uh, you know, staggering around, trying to make it happen and trying to hit the right target. But it's because we're looking through the wrong lens. Can I tell you something? you were born looking at things wrong. Did you realize this? You you may remember some of this from biology. Go ahead and throw up this slide real quick. When you look at something, your eye takes the thing that you see and flips it upside down. So then it turns it completely upside down and then your brain has to be able to process it And then your brain, after it processes, then it flips it right side up so that you can see that image where you're not looking at me standing on my head right now. You see me standing on my feet, not on my head because your brain has learned and has been retrained to see things differently. In fact, they even say that the first couple days a baby doesn't see things as we see them, that a baby will literally still see things upside down until their brain has been retrained and focused to flip the lens so that they can see it correctly. And I believe it's the same way spiritually. There has to be a training of our mind and of our brains to begin to flip the lens a little bit so that we're not looking through the world's lens anymore, but we can see it through God's lens. And that's what a lot of what we're going to talk about in this series is, is we're flipping the lens so that we can see things the way that God sees them. So that we're not just going through life, staggering around and getting nauseous and dizzy and and all this. And missing the target more times than not. When it's something that we can flip the lens and begin to see things differently. Now Paul wrote about this. And he taught on this in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't don't just see things the way that the world sees these things. But instead, be transformed. How are we transformed? By renewing your mind. By teaching your mind what the kingdom of God says. And it says when you do this, you're testing this, and you will discern what the will of God is for your life, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And I believe every believer in their life they want to live, and if I, if I said, you know, how many of you are believers, and you raise your hand, and I said, okay, how many of you believers want to fulfill God's will for your life, I would say 100% of the people would still keep their hand up. Because there's none of us that don't want to fulfill the will of God. We understand what we were forgiven of. We understand the love and the mercy and the grace that we were given. But many of us, we have believed lies and and and, and we've just adjusted and adopted the world's uh, thought process and the world's uh, 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 morals and, and all of these things. And we just adopted them as part of our own. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in the church when the church tries to change the way that they do church to conform to the world is you are doing the exact opposite of what you were supposed to do. You're trying to blend into the world and make everything look like the world when God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I called you to be different from the world. I called you to step out from among the world. That doesn't mean we hide from the world because other people are taking that scripture and they're like, stay away from any sinners. You might get their sin cooties on you. You get near an alcoholic, it might just jump on you and you just might start being an alcoholic. No, the blood of Jesus is way more powerful than that. And so we've used the scripture to come out from among the world as a scripture to run and hide in our church. But when you see Paul and Silas, when you see the people that are turning the world upside down, they're not inside a church building. They're not in here. There's even some people, listen, even when we do food trucks and stuff, we have had people say, "Well, you're feeding the homeless, it's just bringing them into the neighborhood, all you're doing is enabling them to stay homeless. You know what that is? That's a worldly mentality. You know what Jesus said? I was hungry and you fed me. Well, when did I do that? When you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. You see, everybody wants the problem of hunger and homelessness and drug addiction and alcoholism. Everybody wants those problems solved, but it's not gonna be solved by everybody hiding inside the four walls praying, oh Jesus, please make it brighter outside. Please make it better, it's so dark. There's so many evil people out there, Lord. He put the light in us. We talked about this on Christmas Eve. The light came so that we could be sons of light. And now we are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot easily be hidden. They see how good you worship in church and they'll know that God is real. Is that what it says? It says they'll see your good works. What are the good works? Feeding the poor. Taking blankets to the homeless. Making places for and housing for people who have fallen on hard times. Having opportunities for ministry to take place where people can be set free and find freedom from wrong mentalities and, and oppression and demonic influence and all of those things. See, when you flip the lens and you begin to look through God's lens, God doesn't care how many people are in the church building. You know what God's biggest concern is this morning? It's how many people don't know him. And so when we come to church and we just come in here and we're like, oh, yeah, good message, amen, Pastor Brent, that's right, yeah. And then we walk out of here and we don't do anything with it then we're not allowing our mind to be retrained. You see, sometimes in order for your mind to be retrained and renewed, you have to begin to put things into practice. Like if you want to change your eating habits, you got to start eating healthier, and you got to start developing a mindset that I, I need this healthier food. This is better than for me than the double Whopper with bacon and cheese. And what happens is as you begin to change your habits, because I'm changing my mind, I know what's best for me is this. And so I do this. Then over time, your taste buds and everything begin to align to where you would rather have the healthy grilled chicken or grilled fish or whatever than you would want that nasty old greasy burger. What did you do? You flipped the lens in one area of your life. that's why God gave us the word, so that we could flip the lens in our life, so that we could begin to see things the way that he sees them, so that we could begin to be who God has called us to be. We could begin to do the ministry. You've heard it time and time again, God does not call us to attend church. He calls us to be the church. We've talked about this over and over again. Then when you see what these people who are turning the world upside down in their life, you see patterns and you see things throughout the book of Acts that are there. And it's the three things that we talk about. And we're going to get into a series probably on this. We'll probably call it GPS. It's groups, prayer, and serving. You see those areas in disciples' lives. Not just prayer like... I prayed before I went to bed. I prayed over my meal and that type of thing. But praying with other people, praying together corporately, it's a shame that prayer meeting is one of the less attended meetings that there is. You know what that shows us? That we don't understand how powerful prayer is that many of us are willing to just go through life and what we can do in our our own power and our own strength and in our own gifting. I'm gonna tell you something. I realize I'm not that good. So one of the first things I know is I gotta have prayer for me. I gotta have people praying for me. And we've gotta create those opportunities in prayer. I challenge you. Over the course of this, this 21 days, we'll we'll be in the series throughout this whole 21 day of fasting. One of the things that we're going to do in this series is every time that we leave, we're going to give you an an action step. We're going to give you something to to take a step of faith, to put it into action. It's not just hear it and do nothing with it, but we're going to give you a, a simple action step. And so today... Because I'm just introducing the the mindset. This is the action step. This is your homework, okay? So this means you're all going to come home and we're going to have 100% participation. All those in Summersville campus, you're going to have come home and next week have your your homework ready to turn in. No, my dog ate it. You know, none of those excuses. This is what I want you to do this week. I want you to simply spend time in prayer, just asking God, are there areas in my life that I'm seeing things through a worldly lens versus a kingdom lens? And I'm going to tell you, some of them are going to be messages that you've heard over and over and over again. Well, you have every right to be mad. You have every right to, they shouldn't have done that to you. You, could, you. you don't have to forgive them. You don't have to trust them. You don't have to. But what does the Bible say? Forgive even as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So if you're still holding on to bitterness and you're still holding on to unforgiveness in an area, then you're accepting a worldly mentality of You've got to take care of yourself, preserve yourself, don't trust, don't, versus, you got to forgive and you got to lay that down. And I don't want to go through a big, long list of possibilities because I think one of the lenses that we do in the church world today and that, that is wrong, is it's a, it's a religious lens, that if I come to church and I hear from a pastor, a pastor would tell me exactly what I need to do. And he'll tell me what I need to change. And a pastor can hear from God and, and he'll give me direction and everything. But one of the things that you've got to do, one of the, the lenses that is wrong in the American church today, is we have made the congregation way too, too dependent upon the pastor. And then when the, the pastor makes a mistake, or the pastor says something wrong, does something wrong, because he's human and they're gonna say something wrong and they're gonna do things wrong, then now their world is flipped upside down because we put the pastor in position of, oh, the almighty man of God. Versus realizing that the same Spirit of God that's in Pastor Brandon, the same Spirit of God that's in Pastor Q, the same Spirit of God that's in Pastor Melody, is the same Spirit of God that's inside of you. And so if you do what we do, then you'll be able to hear from God as well. And one of the things that fasting does, I challenge: to turn off social media during the fast and put the YouVersion app on your phone. And when you would normally go search social media, open the Bible and watch how much more peaceful your life is going to be how less angry envious and jealous and all those things that your life is going to be simply by doing something like that but turn off the TV turn off the distractions and just spend time with God one of the greatest things that you can do as a child of God is spend time with your father Not just in a noisy environment where it's all crazy, but set aside some time where it's still, where it's quiet. Some of you, it may be before the kids get up in bed, you may have to set your alarm early before everybody else gets up. But if you really want to hear from your father, guess what you'll do? You'll set it early. If you had a hunting trip, wouldn't you set it early to go? If you had an appointment when you set it early to to be able to go to your appointment, did we put a higher focus on our doctor's appointments and our hunting trips and our vacations than we do on hearing from the God of the universe? (laughs) Set aside time. Get a daily devotion. Write out your questions in a journal. Write out your prayers there in a journal. And then just open up your bible because see prayer is not a monologue it's a dialogue and when we open up our bible to read that's when god speaks right back to us so over the 21 days of fasting you know it takes 21 days to establish a new habit in your life what are you doing you're retraining your brain to create a habit of every day i need to hear from my father and i need to be in his presence and I want one of the questions that you ask this week to be, God, what lies have I believed? What, what things am I seeing? What the world says is right side up, but what the kingdom says is upside down. And then as you get into your Bible, I will guarantee the things he speaks to your heart, you're going to find scripture that confirm the things that he spoke to your heart. And then you know what you're going to do. You're going to be like, oh my goodness, I heard from God. Pastor Brandon, I heard from God. And it's available every single day of our life. But will we take time? Will we be humble enough to allow him to flip our world upside down? If we will, then people will look and be like, Aaron Wood, that man flipped the world upside down. A.C. Hilton, he flipped the world upside down. Josh Kearns flipped the world upside down. These are the men. They turned it. John Mitchell. Oh, my goodness. He flipped the world upside down. I don't know what changed in him, but, man, what he has, I want it. That's why you don't even see when they preach at any given altar call. They would preach and get ready to walk away, and people would chase them down and say, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to get what you want? What do you have? And families and communities and everything would be coming to know the kingdom of God. Are you willing to live the upside-down life? Are you willing to take step-by-step those things so that you can see God flip your life upside-down? walk in love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. See your friends, your co-workers, your loved ones saved and living their life for the kingdom of God as well. The kingdom of God is in you. Will you let it out? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.